Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Helping your parents with their money later down the road when they're not as able to help themselves. This is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters. Here today talking to my smart banking guest, Rachel Ela. Rachel works at Optima Bank in New Hampshire. Actually, that's my own business bank, a great little institution doing lots of great and creative banking services for customers in New Hampshire. I always say that, you know, when you think about banking, it is the cornerstone for which all other financial decisions are placed. And today, I think that the younger generation is a lot more mobile when it comes to banking, but seniors aren't. Seniors tend to love that personal relationship. And so I think it's really important to understand what kind of resources and how you can help your parents and starting with the idea of how to help them with banking. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. So one of the things I always say is, you know, if you've ever been into a bank lobby, you got to know, seniors love banks. And they love them for reasons that the rest of us, who we think we're so busy, we don't really have time. We love all these online services that banks provide that allow us not to go. But seniors are like the exact opposite. They love to go in, see somebody that talks to them face-to-face and explain something. So tell a little bit more about what's happening in the bank today for seniors. So banking is all about relationships. You are 100% true. The younger generations are absolutely taking advantage of mobile banking, online. You don't have to walk into a branch if you don't need to. But with those larger questions, those larger things that happen in life, it's important to touch base with your banker. So the seniors, yes, we do know all about them. They will come in and spend 10 minutes to an hour with us. And it's great. We get to know about their grandkids, what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their communities. It's really a wonderful relationship to develop. Now, because we know so much about our senior clients, we typically are the first ones to realize we're hearing these stories being repeated There's a little bit of confusion happening around transactions. Um, Seniors typically have very specific patterns in how they bank. So you brought up elder um, abuse, um, and elder abuse comes in a lot of different forms. And banking, there's actually regulations coming out these days where we need to provide training to our staff so that they understand what to look for as far as warning signs. Uh, If there's suddenly a new person coming into the bank with our client that we don't recognize this person, is our client suddenly acting off? You know, are are, are they confused? Do they seem scared? Um, Do they all of a sudden have an, uh, have they put in a request for an ATM card when we know uh, that Mrs. Smith has never used an electronic access device in her life? And it's not something that she would ever do. These are warning signs. Um, And these are things that we're going to start raising questions over. 
So think about it from the child's perspective. You made me think of one tip. You know, I'm always trying to think of what could what could a client of mine do or uh, any consumer do for a parent if they're starting to get worried that there's something going on. And one of the things they could do is just look at the bank statement. I mean, seniors all get their statements mailed to their house. Maybe just look at the transaction history looking for, as your, your example, ATM transactions because that's not something that they typically do. Absolutely. So a couple things. So to build off of what you just said, absolutely get online bank access to your parents' account. Now, you are going to need to establish a relationship with the bank in order to have that kind of access. We certainly all adhere to privacy policies, and we're not going to share information with you about your parents' accounts unless we have permission to do so from your parents. Um, But once that conversation is had, having online bank access while your parent still receives their paper statements is a great way to monitor the activity that's happening on the account. Um, So one, it gives you an awareness of your parents' bills. Um, You'll have an opportunity to see if maybe mom or dad are starting to miss payments um, or if the wrong amounts are going out. So you'll be able to monitor that. But just like you said, you'll also be able to see large cash withdrawals. Things are that are out of the ordinary that you'll want to ask your parents questions about. So I love this. Let's stop here for a second. I, I would like to just talk a little bit about monitoring as sort of the first level. Because I remember when my father passed away, which was about eight years ago, my mother and I went to the bank. And we went to the bank to do a number of things, take my dad off the accounts. And then my mother wanted to have me on the accounts so that I could help her. You know, it's kind of like really works out great to have a financial advisor as a child, right? Because then they basically mm-hmm. know how to do all the things. But for the rest of us who are not financial advisors, we went to the bank. We brought the death certificate for my, for my dad. We did the paperwork to change over the accounts to take his name off and to put my name on. And then that allowed me access on the mobile banking site so that I could just help my mother if she needed it and keep on top of anything. And then that was actually the first thing that we did. And we did it right after my dad passed because now my mom was by herself. And I thought that that was a great way for her to weave me in without me taking over. And so I think about that as the first step. And a great time to do that is at the death of one parent. Absolutely. So I'm sure you went in and you spent, I mean, unfortunately, that process, anytime uh, you need to remove someone from an account because of a death, that is a time-consuming experience. Anything having to do around death, estate, um, adding different powers of attorney, those kinds of things to an account, it does take time because it's an important thing that needs to be done right. But what that does is it gives you time to get to know your mother's banker, uh, how she interacts with that banker. It gives you a point of contact. So now you're on the accounts. If you have questions, you can call that person and know that there's a solid amount of familiarity with your mother and the situation. So I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I think that, you know, people, people of my generation, you know, the 50s, um, we think click and go, click and go, click and go. We want to go fast, fast, fast. But when we're talking about working with our parents, what we need to do is we need to slow down and go their speed. 
And that's a big part of what happens at a bank that maybe the kids are not as good at, but bankers are better at. And so what we need to do is take our, you know, take our lead from when we go into the bank with, with our parents from the bankers. Slow down a little bit. It's going to be what it's going to be. And you need to make sure that your parents are completely comfortable with the transition. Absolutely. And that's not to say that you can't continue to operate the way you're used to managing your own finances. Online banking these days, there are notifications that you can set up if a check clears or if there's an automatic withdrawal or something to that effect. You can set parameters of um, you want to know when a check over $500 clears because you know that your parents don't have an expense that would be more than that. You can set minimum balance requirements. Um, so there's a lot of tools that you can use through your online banking access to your parents' accounts to help you monitor, but you can pair that activity with the slower way that your parents are used to monitoring and using their accounts. They're going to be writing checks. Most don't use bill pay systems. Um, so you, it, it can be a two-pronged approach. Nice. How about if there's a, I always say, the, the biggest financial fraud that I see in all the years I've been doing this is the wayward child, niece, nephew, kid, lost relative, or a nice kid down the street that convinces your parents that they could use a little bit of their money that they're going to inherit from you anyway now. Um, so if you're the executrix and you're the person or the executor that's involved or the, you know, power of attorney is a little different. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before you're in the control seat, right? So now you're in the monitor seat and mm -hmm. you start to see behavior with finances that, you know, like somebody's pressuring them to help them out. Do you see mm -hmm. that a lot where one child is putting a lot of pressure on mom to help them out versus helping out anybody else? Um, at what point do uh, do you recommend that people start either either maybe upping the monitor the monitoring or maybe uh, implementing a power of attorney? And how do you find that process to go in a bank? It's a very fine line, and it really has more to do with conversations at home. Um, I would recommend that as soon as you notice a change in the way that your parents are using their accounts, you need to start having that conversation right away because it starts with little things. It starts with the caretaker saying, oh, I need gas to get you here. Uh, I need, I'm taking you to so many medical appointments. Can you give me $50 for gas? And then all of a sudden, it starts to snowball. Um, and before you know it, it, and it can be guilt. It can be threatening. It can be t what you mentioned of, well, I'm going to receive this anyway. Why don't you just give it to me now? Uh, there's a lot of different ways that family members and caretakers, unfortunately, can manipulate the seniors into getting a hold or control of the money. So um, depending on your parents' uh, mental state as far as capacity goes, the earlier you start to have these questions and say, Mom, does this make sense? Could you run these things by me before you give our nephew 
$300 for school. Let's talk about this and see how it affects you and your budget. Because your parents do need to be sensitive. Most likely they are on a fixed budget. Um, and that should be reiterated to them. Being careful to not take away their dignity and um, their personal control. Uh, but raising those questions and having that conversation is important. Yeah, I always say to my clients, if if by now your parents have added you to the account so that you can monitor it, then you're actually supposed to monitor it. And if you find mm -hmm. something that doesn't make sense, or especially a trend of things that don't make sense, you want to get on it right away because you've got to remember that it's a biological thing happening. Competency erodes as people get older. And there's really, you know, there are a lot of things people do. People live a lot healthier and longer lives now than they ever did before. But, you know, dementia is part of what happens, even for people, healthy seniors who've lived their whole lives, that, you know, they just start to forget little things. And so they might not be able to tie all these ideas together. And so you want to be paying attention to it. So in the beginning, no issues, maybe once a month. But you start seeing issues maybe once a week. And you want to bring it to their attention right away if you see something that has you concerned. And, um, and then, you know, I want to talk a little bit about when, you know, when somebody should think about power of attorney. And if they have a power of attorney document, because a lot of people do have done some level of estate planning, and they have a power of attorney document. And likely, if you're the person monitoring the account, you're probably also the person who will become the power of attorney. But becoming somebody's active power of attorney versus just being on a form is a different thing. Something has to happen in order to make that happen. So if you're sitting there with your mother's estate planning documents and you know you're the power of attorney in the future, but you can't take over because you actually haven't been sprung the right. So one of the things about estate planning is People can say, I want you to be able to take over later, but not yet. Uh, how you take over requires somebody to make it happen. And so what advice do you give somebody who has that power of attorney, who's now worried that maybe the parent's not competent? What should their next steps be when you think about the banking side of things? So a power of attorney is a document that uh, is only valid during the person's lifetime, and they can look very different, just like trusts can look very different and estate planning can overall can look very different. So it depends on what your relative has set up, has, has put in place as far as um, what markers they want to determine whether they're no longer competent enough to manage their own affairs. Um, I have seen power of attorneys where they, there needs to be two letters from two separate doctors declaring this person um, not able to take care of their own finances. So it's important to really understand what that power of attorney document looks like and moving from there. So a bank will need a full copy of the original power of attorney. They will scan that and keep that on file. If you're working with a trust, they will do the same thing. They will need a copy of the original trust and scan it to keep it on file. Um, banks are looking to make sure that they are following what the trust or power of attorney is guiding. And again, trusts can move after 
um, the person has passed away, power of attorney that ends right away. So if you're starting to look at your parents' account and you're seeing checks being written for incorrect amounts or you're seeing too many checks written to people that you don't know or for expenses that don't make sense, if a new debit card has been ordered, those kinds of things, that's where you may want to step back and say, I need to be the sole um, signer on behalf of my parent. my parent. So a lot of times when you're put onto an account uh, to help with monitoring, oftentimes what happens is you're put on as a joint account holder. So that is actually, you have just as much right to that money as your parent does. Um, if your, your parent were to pass away, that if you, and you are listed as joint with right of survivorship, which is typical for most banks, that money becomes yours. Um, without moving through any probate or estate or anything like that. Um, power of attorney, that is still your parent's account. When your parent passes away, your rights towards moving any of that money ceases until maybe you're the executor. That you don't have access to that account that you were power of attorney on until you have the official documentation that you are now being named by the court or confirmed by the court as the executor of the will. You know, that's a great point. I think that people don't understand that it stops on that day. Because I, I have this all the time where, uh, you know, the parents of a client will pass and the client will be like, so now I can't access their account, which I used to be able to control with the power of attorney. And I'm like, nope, died with her. And they're mm -hmm. like, so how do I pay the funeral home? I said, well, you tell the funeral home that you'll pay them. And you might have to give them a deposit and then later get paid back from mom's estate because you don't have the authority to write a check off of mom's account because mom's no longer alive. And that authority died with her. And people don't understand that. So you just have to know that at different times in your parents' life and death, you have different rights and you have different responsibilities and you have different resources available. And so that money doesn't just flow unless it's in a trust. And often what we find is, I find people do one of two things. They either add their kids to the account, which some parents love and some parents worry about. And there are lots of reasons, pros and cons. Or the child has a power of attorney and is working under the power of attorney. And what you need to know about the power of attorney is it dies with the parent. And that's okay. You just have to know that and you have to plan for that. Right. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with mourning and everything that goes along with losing a parent, there does come in some very specific rules, a lot of paperwork, and a lot of things that you need to balance and wait for and um, learn about while you're balancing the morning. So the more you talk about the plans ahead of time, understand where documents are, understand your rights and your responsibilities as these different phases go through, the easier it is going to be for you to move through this entire process. You know, that's great advice. Hey, Rachel, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today on this topic. So let me just summarize. You want to think about at what level your parents are at, you want to think about monitoring access. And then if that's going along, you can look at that monthly. But if you start to see trends that things are not going the way, 
that you think they should, too many checks or maybe too many gifts or maybe too many charitable contributions, you know, um, you might want to think about that and say, maybe it's time for me to get more actively involved. And you want to think about partnering with your parent and how you phrase that and how you work with them, visiting the bank with them so that you get to know their banker, as well as understanding your parent's relationship with the bank. And even though it could be your mother or your father, I keep saying mother because, you know, statistically, most of the time it's going to be mom. And you need to be able to help without taking over until you actually need to take over. So, you know, Rachel, I want to really, pre- I want to really thank you for all the time that you gave us today. If people had questions and they wanted to reach out to talk to you about um, these issues or about services available at My Favorite Bank, Optima Bank, please tell people how they might reach you. So the best way to reach me is via email, which is pretty much always in front of me. And that is my first initial last name. So R-E-L-A at OptimaBank.com. Great. And thank you so much for hosting me today. It's been um, lovely to talk with you about these really important decisions that need to be made uh, for our parents and for our families overall. Very good. Thank you. So now, if you didn't get that chance to write that all down, it's all in the show notes, as well as a link to my book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, which has more tips about working with your parents and their money. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.